Good morning, New Life Manitou. My name is Chloe. Would you please stand for the scripture reading? Today's reading is from Matthew 13, 44 through 46. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that finding your kingdom is like finding a treasure. Finding you, Jesus, is like finding a pearl worth so much. And in joy, we go out and sell everything we have in order that we might partake in your kingdom, in you, Jesus. So this morning, Lord, it's with joy that we pray in your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And God's people shouted, with joy! Amen! Amen. You may be seated. Um, Thank you, Chloe, for reading. Uh, My boys love uh, the parables. Who doesn't like the parables? Don't raise your hand. Everyone likes the parables. Uh, My boy, we have a routine every night when we go to sleep. There's teeth that are brushed. There's milks that are handed out. There's uh, usually screaming, get back in bed. Um, And they know that they can stay up a little later if after the Bible reading, uh, they say, dad, tell us some parables. And I'm a sucker for it because I love telling the parables. And all, you, all I have to do is like think of some of the parables and then I say them and, and they kind of, they know some of them. They go along with them. Like uh, a couple, uh, like a couple nights ago, the wheat and the tares or the, the sower and the, and the seeds. Uh, I tell them the, the lost sheep or the lost coin. And this week I was telling them, I think I told them two nights, uh, this parable, The one of the kingdom of God is like a treasure. It's like a pearl that someone founds and they they sell everything to get the pearl. Or it's like a treasure that a man finds in the field. You're like, Dad, Dad, what do you think the treasure was? Dad, what could it be? Dad, what do you think it was? It was like, well, I don't know, maybe some gold coins, maybe some artifacts, maybe some furniture, some really nice stuff. I don't know. What do you think it was? And they started naming some things they could thought it was. And I said, this... This kingdom of God, it's like someone finds this treasure and they go out and sell every dad, dad. Do you think they sold like all their toys, like all of them? And I was like, yeah, like, yeah, they, they sold everything and they sold everything to dad. Dad, do you think they even sold their house? Like Jay's very practical. He's like, Dad, did they sell their house? And I was like, yeah, I think they sold everything. And, and Jay was like, well, that doesn't really make sense. He sold his house. And I was like, it does make sense because of the, tre- the treasure was so valuable that you could have bought like 10 houses with that treasure. It, it was worth it. And he's like, oh yeah, Dad, good. That, that makes a lot of sense. And these parables... They make a lot of sense. You have to get into them. You have to ask the questions and and get them into your head. You can't understand a parable while doing something. You can't be playing with your phone, words with friends, or Instagramming, and he be hearing a parable and get it. No, the parables require us to lean in. And so I pray this morning that we will all lean into this seemingly very simple double parable about a pearl and about a hidden treasure. Jesus is on a roll here. We're in a series called The Kingdom uh, Kingdom of God is Like. 
And it's Matthew chapter 13. It's all these little quick parables. Jesus is on a roll, throwing out these scripture bombs, these story mic drops, and people are following him, listening and saying like, wow, this is awesome. This is what the kingdom is like. How is it? And they have questions. Dad, dad, is it like this? Dad, do they sell all their toys? And I imagine people leaning into these stories, trying to figure out really what is the kingdom of God like. So this sermon has three points. One, two, three. The first point is to talk about how searching can end, like we can find something. The second point is to talk about, uh, I'm going to say it as the kingdom, uh, if you gain the kingdom, you profit everything. And the final point will be to summarize, so what is this king? Like, what is this treasure? What is it really? So those are the three points this morning. Let's get started. If you're taking notes, point one is this, your searching can end. I don't think, wait, take off that question mark. That's my fault. I put that on my notes and, and it shouldn't be there. I, I, um, can you take it off? Dan, Dan's gonna, he's gonna do it because he's, he's, he's putting it back. You're searching canon, period. Um, wow, Dan, wow, Dan and the tech booth, wow. Well done, fixing my errors, thank you. Um, uh, there's this song that was written in 1987. It became uh, probably an anthem for my generation. My generation is Generation X. Anybody else an Xer? Uh, I'm, I'm born in 78, so I'm right at the tail end, a young Gen Xer, but still a Gen Xer. And a song came out in 1987. If I say the band's name, you'll all know it. And if I say the song, you'll all know it, which I will in a second. But this song became an anthem, like a proud celebration of what the people think and what we as a generation we would sing this song in, in concerts. This band would uh, get, the, the, get the audience singing this song, and then one by one, the band would peace out, get into their bus, and, and go to another place. And the crowd was left for minutes, which in concert time is like hours, would sing this song again and again. And of course, the song is, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Thank you. Yes. Do you know that song? And it's, it's a song that represents our generation. It's a song that, that shouldn't, I mean, because our searching can end, but it's a song that is celebrated because if you go to the coffee shops, if you go to the places where people talk philosophy, I think that a common theme will be there that, that oh, we're just searching, man. Yeah, man, we're just searching. And, and yeah, we're just searching. We're out looking. Yeah, what do you believe? I'm just searching, man. And we're patting each other on the back saying, yeah, it's cool to search. And then somebody will say, hey, look at this. I found something. And then it's like a complete rejection of that person and that thing. It's like, hey, man, we're just searching. Like, no, we're not finding anything. We're just searching, like an Easter egg hunt that never ends. And someone's like, hey, look, I, got, I found the golden egg. Whoa, 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 man. No, we're just searching here. We're just looking. We still haven't found, 30-something years later, still haven't found what we're looking at. And it's a part of our culture. It's a popular mindset of our day. And it shouldn't be amongst us as believers. We have found something in this church. We celebrate that we have found something. And we, uh, in a way, um, have, have found something that we are willing to trade everything for. And our searching can end. We can find something. That should be good news. Can I get an amen? amen. 
There's a popular, uh, he, he lived a while ago, brilliant Christian theological writer, G.K. Chesterton, has this quote, you can look it up later, about having an open mind. I think that's a celebrated thing in our generation. Have an open mind. Just you know, open your mind. Have an open mind. And he says it in a, in a way that I think is, should be uh, thought of as like, yeah, we should open our mind, but open it to close it around something. We shouldn't just walk around and always have an open mind to all things. That's careless. That's, uh, that's gullibleness. That's, uh, 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 I wrote down some other words that I can't pronounce. Um, and it, we, that's silly to do that, to walk around with such an open mind to everything. No, we close our mind around things that we find to be true. And good news is that we can find it. We can find truth. We can run to the realtor's office and buy the ground that the treasure is on because we have found something, and that's good news. The Lord is waiting to be found. Think of other parables. You know, this one is, is about a person searching, and they find the kingdom of God. There's certainly other parables, like the lost sheep, or the lost coin, where it's God who is doing the looking, gives up everything. There's, 90, there's 100 sheep, one gets lost, the, the shepherd leaves the 99, which is a great strategy for losing 100 sheep, and he leaves and goes to find that one who is wandering in the wilderness, and that's a story how the Lord searches for us. This parable is about us finding the Lord, and the Lord wants to be found. I think about... Um, like a hide-and-seek game. Uh, about a year ago, hide-and-seek was all the rage in our house. I have four little boys, and they loved to play. After school, every day, we were playing hide-and-seek. Anybody else like hide-and-seek? I see those. Well, of course, you like hide-and-seek. I would be the hider in most cases. And there's legend in our house of one time I hid for 50, 50 minutes? 45 to 50 minutes in our We don't live in a mansion, so it was pretty awesome hiding on my part. I, I, I hate to brag. But there was the closet, and it wasn't very uh, deep. And so you would just open it up and be like, oh, obviously dad isn't here. There was some uh, uh, coats, and there was like a little box, a hard box, and I was standing, and it was short. So I was standing on this box with my head up against <laughs> the ceiling, and there was clothes and, and like some overalls, and, uh, and, and I, that's where I was hiding. So I think one of them, Jay, came by, opened up the closet, and it's just clear. Like no one's in there. If it was a deep closet, of course, they'd go back in. They would have found me instantly, but he just opened the closet. It's clearly no one's here. Shut the closet. Looks all around. After 10 minutes, my boys are like completely frustrated. They're ready to give up. And so I yell out, cuckoo. And they're like, that's dead. Where is this? So they run around. I think he's over here. Let's go upstairs. I think he came up over here. And they're running around. After another 10 minutes, they still can't find me. So they're like, mom, mom, mom. Mom, you have to help us find dad. So she starts, she comes to the closet, she opens it up. She doesn't see me, she shuts the closet. And I'm just in there like, yes! My head is crunched up against the ceiling. My knees are all buckled. I'm like, this is awesome! Because I'm just waiting for them to find me. And so now I pull out my phone and I'm texting Erica, you're never going to get me. <laughs> it's like, where are you? I'm never going to get me. Another 20, it was like 45 minutes of, of them running around the house. House and, and finally thinking, oh, is he outside? They're outside. They come back inside. And finally, Jay, I think it was Jay, opened the door, reached in past the clothes and felt my leg. And then it's just like, yeah, you found me. And I jump out and I tickle him. Where were you? I was here. And my neck, it kills, but it's awesome. I was just waiting for you to find me. And the heavenly father, our Lord, 
wants to be found. Point two is this. If you gain the kingdom, you profit everything. If you gain the kingdom, you profit everything. Think about the joy that's in this parable. Both, both uh, these parables have this joy about them. Like a person finds a treasure in the field, and it's not like, oh, it's their duty. They have to go sell some stocks to buy these stocks. And No, it's like in their joy. They're so happy. They go out. They sell everything they have in order to buy this field that has this treasure on it. The joy that we can have as Christians knowing that we have the kingdom of God and what it's like finding a treasure. It's a story of um, an elderly couple in their 80s, a strong, devout Christian couple. At the end of their life, they've converted their house into a hospice and nurses, doctors come there and take care of them. And and the very uh, last day the husband was alive, the They knew that day was coming, that morning. He just was not doing good, barely breathing, barely awake, uh, barely conscious. And they knew that that day was going to be his last day. So they invited over uh, friends and family, and there they were, worshiping the Lord. Worship music turned up high. They're praising the Lord. They're telling stories. There's even laughter, knowing that, that this man has lived a good life. He's fought the good fight, and here today is going to be his final day. These are the final hours. And a granddaughter came in. She, she's not a believer, and she just didn't get it. She, she's like, why is there? She didn't know that the music that was playing meant something to the people there and that it was, in fact, worship music. And she's just thinking, why is there cheesy, happy music on right now? This is, this, in her mind, she's like, this is not respectful. That what, what is, why is everyone, there's people laughing and the kid, like she's upset that people are giggling and laughing in other rooms and there's silly, in her mind, silly music being played. And she finally says something like, why is everyone so happy? I, I, shouldn't we be showing some respect here? And the wife, the grandmother, says, um, my husband deserves hell. And everyone's just like, like, what? What do you mean? And, and the, the granddaughter just stare like, what? And she goes on and says, he deserves hell. And Jesus has paid for his sin. The death of Jesus on the cross, the good news that God covers over our mistakes, covers over our blemishes, releases us from sin. We are happy today because in just a little while, and maybe less than an hour, your grandfather is going to join the kingdom of God and there be with the Lord eternally in his joy. Wow, what a life! What a legacy! The kingdom, if you gain it, you profit everything. If you gain the kingdom, you profit everything. Let me give you a little uh, economics lesson, economics 101. So uh, imagine someone with a cracked uh, phone. Anybody have a cracked phone? Nobody? Okay, a couple hands. You have a cracked phone, you go to the phone store, you get a new phone, right? What's that cracked phone worth to you? Nothing. And so, so guy number one is, is about to throw out his old phone, just doesn't want anything to do with it. It's cracked, it's broken, doesn't want it. Somebody finds out that he's going to throw away his phone. So, I'll give you 10 bucks for that phone. And so he's like, sure, whatever. Here's, here's the phone, 10 bucks. Cool, I was going to throw it out anyways. That's guy number one. Uh, guy number two gets the phone for $10. You follow me so far? 
It's going to get crazy complicated. Just kidding. Uh, guy number two gets the phone for $10. He sells it on eBay for 75 bucks, right? Like, because people are out there that will buy cracked phones. So he's guy number two. Sells the phone for 75 bucks, bought the phone for 10 bucks. Guy number three buys the phone for 75. Are you still following? And fixes it up a little bit, fixes the screen, knows a little bit about iPhone fixing. And then he sells it on eBay for $200 to you. You buy it. And you're happy with it. It it works. The guy fixed it well. So there's a couple people in the story. The question is, who profits? It's not a trick question. The guy, number one, he profits, right? Because he was just going to throw it out. It was worth nothing. He was going to throw it out. He got 10 bucks. Did he profit? Yeah, he got 10 bucks. Guy number two, he bought it for 10, sold it for 75. Is that a profit? Yeah, all the business majors are like, yeah, that's profit. It is. I'm not tricking you here. Uh, guy number three bought it for 75, sold it for 200. After fixing it, putting a little of his own work into it. Is that a profit? Yeah, it certainly is. That's, that's business, profit. And so most people think that's it. Like that's all the people that profited, right? No, there's one more. Who else profited? You. You profited because you bought the phone, like you don't have the, you didn't, you think that the phone was worth more than $200 to you. And so you paid the $200, got a phone. And now you, in your mind, because it's a good phone, the guy did a good job replacing the screen. You profited, right? Think about this parable, just in the economics of it. Let me simplify it even more. Say there's uh, back in like the day, like long time ago, like huts. There was a guy that uh, grew wheat. So he grew a bunch of wheat, has a bunch of wheat, gets the wheat, puts it in his backyard, has piles of wheat, so much wheat in his backyard of his hut that it's probably going to go bad. Like it, it's, gonna, it's out in the elements. He needs something to put it in. There's a guy down the road in the village. He makes baskets. He, he gets the, the, the reeds. He soaks them. He bends them. He makes really good baskets. He's got a backyard of his hut full of baskets, right? This is, this is economics 101. So the two guys are like, hey, I need food for my family and, and food for the winter, and you need baskets. Let's do a deal. And so they do a deal. It's like, I want this much wheat. Well, I want five baskets. Well, to get this much wheat, I'm going to need six baskets. And they're both like, okay, okay, that much wheat for Scott. Good. They shake hands. The deal's done. Who profits? Both of them. They're happy. This is a profiting deal. Think about this parable. A man finds a, a treasure in a field. He goes out and he thinks in his mind, just, I'm just looking at this parable on an economic level. He thinks that this treasure is worth so much that in joy, he goes out and sells what? Everything he owns in order to buy that land. The kingdom of God is like a man, a merchant, it says. And he, so we assume that a merchant knows what they're doing when it comes to buying and selling. He sees and finds a pearl of great value. What does he do? He goes out and he sells everything in order to get this pearl. So you might think this treasure, I, I was looking up and um, studying on the ancient world of this treasure. It seems like a very weird thing to just find a treasure in a field, but it wasn't that uncommon in Jesus' time. There wasn't any Wells Fargo's. There wasn't a, even a monetary system where people had uh, paper money. They had coins, but even the coins, uh, people, it was more of a trading system. So if you had wealth, you had things. And if you wanted to store those things and hide them in case there was a war, in case there was looters, in case there was robbers, what would you do with it? Well, very often you would, in fact, bury it in the ground. And then if you were the only person that knew where that treasure was and you died, what would happen? 
Well, to, to, to sit in the dirt until someone stumbled upon it, like this man in the parable. He finds it, he reburies it, thinking it's, it's too big to be carrying out of here. Someone's going to see me. I need to buy this land that it's on, do things the right way. So he sells everything to buy the land. I heard a, a, a modern day telling of this parable that someone finds oil on land. They, they, they're hiking, there's some land for sale, and they see some oil coming up. They get some surveys done, and it's, it's clear. Like, there is oil on this land. So they sell everything. Imagine the garage sale. Like, what's for sale? Everything. Come on. It's all got price tags on it. Why are you selling it? I can't really tell you because I'm just some investment thing I got, I got going on. I'm selling everything. And your family comes over. And it's like, what the heck is going on? You're selling everything? Are you crazy? And you're like, shh, let me tell you. I'm buying a field with oil on it. And they're like, yeah, what if you're wrong? Like, you're going to sell all this stuff? Like, all of it? Like, thinking through, like, becoming a Christian. Like, in the first century, like, uh, Christians are being killed. Like, are you sure you want to give up everything? And the person's like, yes, of course, with joy. I will sell it all. The treasure is worth too much. The pearls in the ancient world, I heard uh, doing some study on this word may have been worth more than diamonds or gold or silver pearls might be the most expensive thing in the ancient world at jesus time cleopatra who lived i guess right around somewhere within 100 years of jesus uh had a pearl supposedly worth 200 uh sorry 25 million denarii what's a denarii a day's wage. Wow, how did you know that? Good job, Carl. Um, and so if you compare today's wage with ancient day's wage, like a minimum wage, and if apples were apples, maybe they are, this pearl that Cleopatra owned back in that time to this time's money and monetary would be somewhere around four point something billion dollars. Would you trade everything you have, all your earthly possessions for that pearl? I know I would, like, yeah, I don't have anything. You see my cars, like, I don't have anything that great. Of course, I would, I would trade that. Four point something billion is a lot of money. Um, and, and some of you were around, some of you may have had to go through something like this uh, during the floods and the fires. We got evacuated in 20, uh, when was Waldo Canyon? 20, 2012, uh, we got evacuated. Anybody else get evacuated in 2012? We're, we did, you got evacuated? I remember. Um, 2012, we were woken up in the middle of the night, told to get out of there, grab some stuff. So Erica and I and little baby Jay got in the truck. We loaded up with stuff. And we, had, we were like, we got, we got 10 minutes. We got to get out of here. We grabbed some pictures off the wall. We grabbed our laptops. We grabbed some important paperwork. Uh, and we grabbed some things that were valuable. Some jewelry, some stuff. We got in the car, the truck, and we drove out of there to go to a friend's up north. Thank God the fire did not come into Manitou. I know some of, some of others of you may have had homes destroyed or were very close to the fire. Um, so, so on that drive, I was thinking, like, here's all this stuff. And in my head, I was like, that wasn't that hard. Like, it was surreal. Like, I'm glad we're okay. I have me and my wife and my son. And even if we have to leave the truck... To get, uh, just playing the situation, and we had to leave all of our possessions. I was like, I, I could do that. Like, no, like it's like all my possessions are not worth that much. I pray you never have to do that or go through that. Or if you do, you come back and, and know that your stuff was actually okay. But it was a surreal experience of, of thinking about, yeah, I guess all that we have 
is each other. We really don't, you know, maybe some insurance checks would come, but, but all of our possessions, like, we could probably live without. It would be very sad, some sad days, but we would have each other. I read a story, a very, very, very sad story this, this week. It happened a couple years ago of a man that texted his adult children and said, stop everything, stop what you're doing, come home, spend time with mom, spend the day with mom. Today's going to be a very sad day. And he turned off his phone and he went into the garage and he, he killed himself, he shot himself. And police come over, the family's over, they're trying to figure out why, why, why would dad do this? Why would my husband do this? And they found out that he had lost their life savings. He had lost uh, about $300,000 in some horrible investments that, that were scams. And he had lost all this money and he just could not bear the thought of losing his life savings. And I imagine the kids, I imagine the wife saying, who cares, 300,000, that's a lot, but it's nothing compared to now missing dad. It's nothing compared to missing a husband. How could he think his worldly possessions, his life savings was worth that much? If only he would have thought, with this mindset of just, what is it, earthly possessions? It's nothing compared to the treasure of the kingdom of heaven. I had a conversation with a, a monk the other day, because that's what pastors do, we hang out with monks. Um, but I was, uh, I was just fascinated by, I was reading the Desert Fathers and I got fascinated, so I Googled uh, monasteries near me. It's what I do, you know, in my spare time. So I, in, the, in the mountains of Colorado, there's a monastery, I went to it, it was pretty cool, met some people there that were monks, and there's like some guys that had literally, and, and a lady there that had given up everything. Uh, they had taken a vow of uh, monasticism, so not getting married, uh, no earthly possessions, a life of poverty, a life at the monastery praying. And I was just fascinated. I was like, wow, you gave up everything. It's like, you don't have a, have a bank account somewhere, like waiting for you in case this doesn't work out. And they're like, just laughed and said, no, I gave up everything. It's like, how was that? Like, what was that like? It's giving up everything. And uh, he said, you know, it really wasn't that hard. It was like one step after another. It was like a course of a year. I was living here at the monastery and realizing that I do want to take a vow, like someone would take a marriage vow is what he compared it to. He said, but, but not to get married to another person, but to get married to this, this way of life of prayer. And I was just like, wow, that's pretty cool. So it wasn't that hard. And he was like, no, it really wasn't that hard. I have a great life here. I have great friends. I still have contact with his family and friends. And it's just, he's like, it wasn't that hard. And I think about that, the, the monk compared to this guy that committed suicide. Here's one who lost everything and, and went to a horrible place. Here's one that freely gave away everything. And he, here he is lifted on high, praying and thanking the Lord for what he does have. This is what Philippians 3 says. Paul wrote Philippians, and he puts into words this parable. Paul says, verse 7, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss. Think about that. That's, that's this parable, right? Everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. This final point, point number three is this. It's a, it is a question. So it, it's a, what exactly is this treasure? We're talking about a pearl, talking about treasure in the ground, what exactly is Jesus 
talking about here? Is he talking about like the economy of the kingdom? Like, um, unfortunately, it's very embarrassing as a pastor to see like a, t- a TV evangelist. There's some good ones, but the very bad ones are like, oh, you're going through uh, trouble times. You can't pay your mortgage. Send my ministry $100 and I'll pray for you. It's like, oh, that is not, that is not this parable. Simon the sorcerer in the New Testament sees these things the disciples are doing, these miraculous things, and says, I want that power. I want that miraculous. And he tries to offer money for to the disciples to receive this power that is not what this treasure is at all that is not the treasure is i will get to it in a minute it's nothing worldly it's nothing of this earth i reread today uh, a, a story uh uh, it came out 100 years ago, so I'm going to spoil the ending for you. Spoiler alert, but you've had 100 years. You'll get over it. The story is um, uh, How Much Land Does a Man Need by uh, Tolstoy. Anybody read that? Anybody familiar? I, okay, one, just one? Oh, you guys got to go out. But, but now I'm going to ruin the ending, so it's not going to be as cool. Uh, but, but it's this short story. You could read it in like, uh, I don't know, 20 minutes. And it's about a man who goes out getting more and more and more land, doing these business deals. He finally comes to this killer business deal where this uh, weird person uh, takes a ton of money from him. Uh, he's going to give a bunch of money and you're going to run in a big uh, perimeter and whatever land you get from sun up to sundown, you have to start here and you have to finish here. And so however far you can go between sun up and sundown, that's the amount of land you'll get for this price. And he's like, wow, that's a great deal. So the man, on the morning, the sun comes up. The man goes running out as fast as he can to get more and more land. He sees a creek. Oh, that creek should be in my land. He goes, oh, look at that field. It's lush. I should get that too. So he he keeps on going further and further and further. And then he realizes it's starting to get darker. Like the, the day is ending. And he has this horrible, grisly realization that he has gone too far. He's going to now lose all his wealth. He put all this money into getting this perimeter of land and he begins like an insane person running back as fast as he can to the point as the sun is descending. He just knows he's not going to make it. He's not going to make it back and with this insane look in his eyes, he keeps running faster and faster. No water. Running all day. It's it's a nightmare of a scene and a panic and insanity and he sees the sun going down the sun actually goes down and he stops and then he looks up and he can see that the place he's supposed to be is a little higher and it actually still has a little bit of sunlight on it. So he just musters all his strength, runs up the hill, finds the two guys, makes it there on time and drops dead from a heart attack. He's buried right there and the answer to the question, how much land does a man need? It's about six feet. Think of, like that story has, I remember reading it for the first time in high school and being like, man, that's a messed up story. <laughs> but isn't that life? Like do we think all of these things are important and we're getting and going and really what's important? Well, it's the kingdom. Leo Tolstoy has a great quote about all of life is, is about building the kingdom of God. What exactly is this treasure, this pearl? Well, it's not a what, it's a who. It's not a religion, it's a relationship. The answer to the question of of this treasure that someone was willing to sell 
everything they had for is, of course, the Lord. Uh, walking, knowing, talking with the Lord, having a relationship with the Lord. That is what this is all about. And it requires of us everything. It requires us to pour it all out before Jesus. That is the cost of disciples. It costs everything to follow Jesus. Some of us are shocked by that, but that's really, isn't that what all of life, like we could search and do life for ourselves, or we could search and do life for God, for the kingdom. It will cost us everything. A little bit of it? No. Uh, half of it? No. All of it. Let me conclude with this last story, a modern day parable. I've heard it before. It's not mine. And then we'll be led here to this table where we will partake of the mysteries of the blood and the body of Christ. And then we will go downstairs and celebrate a, a feast, a, a fellowship with each other. But here's this last story uh, about pouring it all. Like, what is it going to cost? Can I have the kingdom? Can I know Jesus and, and save little bits and pieces for myself? No, it requires the whole thing. Pour it out. Pour out your life for the kingdom and for the king. He is worth it. And enjoy, you will not look back. Enjoy, you will receive all. The story is of a man driving through a desert, a death valley maybe, like not today where it's like there's gas stations and there's, there's uh, enough people driving by, but this is back in the old days when driving through Death Valley could mean your death and you're supposed to bring uh, tons of water, enough for who knows how long in case your car was to break down. This guy has nothing. He's just bolting through, thinks he's going to make it across just fine. And the horrible scene happens where his car breaks down and he gets out and tries to fix it and he can't fix it. And he spends the day trying to fix it. Then the night he spends sleeping in his car, shivering because the desert is cold at night. And then by nine o'clock, it's a hundred degrees and he wakes up and it's, he has no water whatsoever. Just now a couple empty bottles and containers. And he's thinking through like, what am I going to do? Like there's not been another car. I've not seen another car. It could be days. It's now two days without any water. He is very ex dehydrated, exhausted, and he decides, well, he's not going to sit here and die. He's going to make the hard decision of he thinks he can't walk back the same way he came. That was too far, but maybe he could walk across. He knows maybe a little bit enough to, to, to know that there might be a road down there and it might lead to some houses and those houses might have some water and he might live if only he, he walks and starts hiking. So he starts hiking very slowly and at some point realizes that all is gone. Like he just has some empty bottles on him and all is lost. He's not going to make it. He looks up and sees on the horizon some trees. He tells himself, that's just a mirage. Like I'm just seeing things. I'm about to die. But he says, I need to make it there just in case. So he makes it over. Sure enough, there is trees and there's a little shack. And in the shack is a glass jar of water. And he's like, oh, I'm saved. Some water. And there's a note on it that says, use this water to pour into the pump. And he looks down and says, oh, there's a pump in this little shack, this little building. Pour the, all the water into the pump. It's going to require all of it. Start pumping and you will have all the water you need. Fill the glass jar when you are done. So what would you do? I mean, you, you, have, a, you have a glass of water there. You could drink that. This could be some trick. And then he thought, like, who would do that? Who would put a trick out here in the middle of nowhere? It's probably not a trick, but it could be an old note. 
It could be a really old pump, or the pump could be kind of new, and the, the well's water could be too low. He, if he wastes that water, well, then that's all he has now. How many of you would pour it into the pump? Me too. I would too. The guy realizes he's so far out. He's dead anyways, is what this guy is thinking. And he says, if, if, what is this little bit of water, this little jar going to be anyways? It's going to quench his thirst for an hour, and he's going to die within that day anyways. So he, with, with all his courage, opens the pump, pours it in, starts pumping. And after a minute, nothing. He begins to think, this is, this is it. I'm dead. I, I wasted what little water I did have. And then noises start to change, and the pump works, and out comes fresh, cold cool, refreshing water, and he drinks, and he fills up his containers, and he takes a shower, and he realizes he's saved. I think that's, in, in some ways, what finding the kingdom is like. It's going to cost us everything. Would you stand with me? Let me reread this parable, these two parables. Matthew 13 says this. If you would just bow your head, think of this story. Think of Jesus telling us what the kingdom is, is like. Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away, sold everything he had, and he bought it. Lord, this is your word, and we thank you for it. Speak to us, Lord. We're listening.